When we start to think about the end of the year, we can't help but have the sense of um, reflection and anticipation, right? We reflect on what was and we anticipate what is and what is to come. Um, but I just wanted to sort of remind all of us that there's nothing magical about New Year's Eve. There's nothing that's going to transform you between the 31st and the 1st of January. <laughs> uh, it, it's a timely opportunity to reflect if you want to be intentional about it and really intentionally think about what was in 2018, what were the things that I did, what are the things I didn't do, um, what do I want to improve on 2019, but absolutely nothing will happen in your heart just because it's a new year, okay? So we can celebrate it, and it's awesome, and I enjoy it, but it takes intentionality to shift your year forward. So if you want 2019 to be different, guess who has to change? Not the person next to you. Not just the person next to you, but you have to change. There's something inside of your heart that needs to shift, something in your mind. And, you know, we are in such an amazing position as believers, as sons and daughters of God, to know that we can do all things through him who gives us strength. One of the things that we've talked about in our home is how in 2019, we want to be better with the word not just the word, but with the feeling of contentment. And that verse where Paul is saying, I've learned to be without. I've learned to have plenty. You know, I've learned to be hungry. I've learned to have a lot of food. And then he kind of drives home the point that it's through Christ I can do all things. So if, we, if we want this sense of contentment, we are in an excellent position as believers because Christ promises to give us strength. His word says that in him, he's a source of all things. In him, through him, and by him are all things, is what it says. And so if you are looking to um, shift something in 2019, know that you are not alone in it and that you can count on the resources of heaven. The resources of heaven are at your fingertips for you to be able to accomplish all the things that you are looking to accomplish in your personal life, in your family life. And now as we're together here, those of us who were able to make it here this morning as a church, we have to look back in 2018 and say how far we've come. There were so many things that we've done that we've been able to shift forward. Certain pieces of the puzzle that were properly aligned. Now in 2019 is what else can we do, right? And how else can we better position ourselves? And guess what? What, what happens in a collective sense of, the, you know, of our experience starts off in the individuality of what happens in your homes and what happens in the secret place. And so as you position yourself to be more Christ-like, what happens is if all of us are in the same accord and moving in the same pace and rhythm and direction, the church also as a whole moves forward. And so this morning, I wanted to reflect on certain marks of a healthy church. Marks of a healthy church, and we're going to look no, no further than Acts chapter 2. The very, very first church. The coming together of the people of, of God, believers of Jesus, believers of the way as they were known in the day. After Pentecost, first after Jesus ascended to heaven, after he poured down the Holy Spirit, and after this church starts to come together, let's read from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. It says the following. 
They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Father, we look to your word right now. And we pray, Father, that where there are gaps between what your word reveals and what our experience is, I pray that your spirit would bridge that gap. Bring us more close together to the reality of your word. That we would live our day-to-day more like what your word says. We understand that there are various factors here, that the church operated under a specific cultural context, but we know that there are things that transcend culture, that transcend cultural context, socioeconomic context, Lord God. We know that there are things in this word, and many of it, that we need to continue to practice today. So we pray in the name of Jesus that we would walk more like the first church than we've ever walked before. We pray that in 2019, as we look forward and the years ahead, we pray that in Jesus' name, that we would be filled with your Holy Spirit and have and exemplify certain characteristics of a healthy church that you want from us. In Jesus' name, amen. What we see here is a church that is growing in three ways. Growing upward, growing inward, and growing outward. A church that's growing upward, inward, and outward. Upward in its relationship with God. There seems to be this awe in terms of the presence of God. And we've started off 2018 reflecting on our core values. The very first core value that we want to cultivate in our church is that we value the presence of Jesus above all things. We value the presence of Jesus. We want to host the presence. We want to carry the presence. We want to worship the presence of Jesus. And this is what we see in this church, a church that is in awe with the presence of God, cultivating and prioritizing the presence. A church that is growing inward in the sense that it also prioritizes fellowship amongst believers. They wanted to be together every day. Amen. Echoes. They wanted to, prior- they wanted to be together. Huh? Every day. Meeting in the temple courts, every day they went to church. And not only did they meet at church, but they also met in homes. They couldn't get enough of each other. Just want to be with Julia all the time. They want to be together. A, A church that's growing inward, but also a church that's growing outward through social impact. I mean, I find it fascinating that they enjoyed the favor of all people. It wasn't just among believers, but they enjoyed the favor of people outside of the church. There seemed to be something infectious about this new group of believers 
people didn't necessarily know exactly what, what was going on, but the dynamics were such that it attracted people and it gained favor with the people around. So in thinking about growth, and I, you know, it's hard to categorize, okay, this is what up growth, upward growth looks like, inward growth, and to measure all these things. Not the, that's not the point of the sermon, but it's for us to think about, reflect in the next few minutes, and put before the Lord, God, we want to grow in this way, okay? In these... And, you know, upward growth will influence inward growth, which will influence outward growth. There seems it's not one that's more important than the other necessarily. They seem to happen simultaneously, and there seems to be interesting kind of dynamics between all of them. And the point is, God, we want to grow. In our personal lives, we want to grow. As a family, we want to grow. We want to grow in our emotional and spiritual health. We want to be able to be disciples of Jesus and reflect Jesus. And as a church, God, we want to grow. I don't think there's a a single person that's walked into this room today that says, I don't want to be a part of a thriving growing church that's growing upward that's growing inward and that's growing outward in favor with all people i don't think there's a single person in here that says that maybe some of us are like "Mm, but what does it mean to grow and and we all know that it's not just about numbers it's not just about numbers it's about health it's about all these different aspects of upward growth and worship and fellowship with God, that we would know God better in 2019, that we would know him who we serve, that we would know Jesus, know him, and not just by the words that we've heard, but that we've actually heard his voice, that we've seen his face with more clarity, that we hear the beat of his heart, that we are in alignment with his heart more often than not. That I would grow in my love for people inside of my church family. As goals, maybe have one special dinner a month with people maybe you don't have dinner with very often. Or once every quarter, once every three months, host a dinner in your house with a couple or two and the single people. That you wouldn't wait for someone else to do something, but that you would be the miracle you're waiting for. That you would be the agent of change that you're seeking. Not judging others for not doing certain things, but saying, you know what, if I see this need, then guess what? God is quickening my feet in order to supply that need. And growing outward that others... In this community, God would give us opportunities and that we would want to supply the need of those outside of this space. He's given us opportunities. He's given us certain networks. He's he's positioned us in high places here in this community right now. He has. In 2018, even if you haven't necessarily seen a lot of things materializing yet, God is moving the puzzle pieces. Okay? He's moving the networks and the relationships, and that's being cultivated behind the scenes. And God wants us to take a step forward. What will that mean in your life, in your family, 
What will that mean? What will need to shift in terms of priorities, in terms of managing the wonderful resource that is time in our lives in order for us to see upward growth, in order for us to see inward growth, in order for us to see outward growth in our church? And I want you to always think nothing happens collectively that is not a result of what happens individually. Nothing happens collectively as a church that isn't a result of what happens individually in my home, in my life, as a family, as a person. The way you steward your influence inside your home is going to be how you steward your influence outside of the home. It starts with the people closest to you. I want to reflect on four things, four characteristics, and maybe go into a bunch of little sub-points, and we'll see how far we'll get. This focus on this sermon came from our senior pastor, who's also going to be speaking on the same topic in the Portuguese service. We want the end of the year to be a, a time of reflection on what was as a church and what is to come. And so we're, we're looking at four specific things inside the church In Acts, we see commitment to sound theology, prayer, and maintaining awe of God. A commitment to joyful worship together, regardless of circumstances. Commitment to fellowship and commitment to, to social impact. Again, commitment to sound theology, prayer, and maintaining awe of God. Commitment to joyful worship together, regardless of circumstances. Commitment to fellowship and commitment to social impact. This is a church that had great zeal for sound theology. Great zeal for the revealed word of God. One of the dynamics that I've had in my own personal life is the need for the word, but also the need for experience. I don't want to just see the written word, I want to experience the written word. And sometimes what can end up happening is that we then shift our focus just on experience. How many of you understand what I'm saying? I want to just experience, experience it, and you become an experience junkie, a renewal junkie. All I want to do is feel the awesomeness of God at all times. And when I'm not feeling, then I'm not enjoying. I don't find it satisfying. When I'm convicted with icky feelings, then it must not be the Lord. How many of you understand what I'm saying? And sound theology brings forth real worship. Because we worship what actually is and not just what we wish it were. So as we focus on the word of God, as it has an actual place in our homes, as we think about in 2019, what area of scripture do I want to grow in? I wrote in my book in 2018, I want to grow in my understanding of the book of Revelations. I didn't get to that in 2018. So now it's in my to-dos for 2019. And I want to read the books that I bought on Revelations. What area of Scripture do you want to grow in in 2019? 
What place will Scripture have in 2019 in your life? Sound theology will allow you to see Jesus for who he is. A priority of the word of God and having it in, you know, contact with the word of God every day as frequently as possible will allow you to experience the risen Jesus. The word says in in verse 42 that we read, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship. The apostle teachings were considered and were in fact the pure gospel. The apostles were those who experienced Jesus firsthand. They had revelation, not only, not only revelation outside of experience, but actual experience with Jesus. They walked with him. And in this church, there seemed to be a priority in terms of understanding what actually was the right gospel. Because a lot of people were preaching a lot of nonsense all around. And what we also see later on, Paul writing to one of his disciples called Timothy, a young pastor, pastoring in the church of Ephesus. He says the following, for the time will come when people would not put up with sound doctrine. He's talking about a day where people would not want to put up with sound doctrine anymore. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. As we experience the risen Jesus, let us prioritize revelation over just experience. What is revealed? If there is a gap, and this is what was part of my prayer, between what is revealed and what is in in Scripture and what my experience is, I pray that God in 2019 would allow us to bridge that gap. How many of you understand what I'm saying? You know, in Hebrews 11:1, it says something interesting that faith is confidence and assurance. But how often times is our faith not confident and there's no element of assurance in it? <laughs> Isn't that true? Last weekend we spent uh, two two nights at this bed and breakfast that we love, we go every year called in at Lake Joseph. We highly recommend it. It's very romantic. It's nice. There's like fireplaces in the rooms and it's nice. We like to go there every year. This was the fourth time that we went and the, the breakfasts there are really cool and people eat together. We, you, you eat with strangers every day and you have to kind of sit with them, right? And this time we, we sat with the innkeeper and this other couple. Uh, one is an atheist. The other one's a Jew- Jewish by tradition, but atheist. And we had a really fun conversation. And one of the things I brought up was we were talking about faith and how oftentimes there's no element of confidence in faith. I brought up Hebrews 11. I was like, you know what? Interesting that you say that. Because the word actually does tell us, you know, in my belief system, that faith needs to be confident and it needs to be, it needs to be an element of assurance. But in my life, Many times the things I have faith for, I'm not even confident that they will materialize. (laughs) And in my life, many times the things I have faith for, I have no assurance that they will materialize. And so I was able to look at the atheist. I don't know if you believe this, but I want you to just get something out of what I'm saying. If there's something you're believing in for 2019, 
Let your faith be confident and let there be assurance in your faith. So what I'm talking about here is a gap oftentimes between revelation and experience. What is revealed is so much better than what we experience. And so I pray that we would be able to bridge that gap between revelation and experience. Don't beat yourself up because you're not there yet. Know that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Don't allow yourself to be, your soul to be confused with healthy conviction and condemnation. Condemnation will tear you down. Conviction will stir you forward, will quicken your feet towards righteousness. And if there's an element of anything that's just causing you to be down and be torn down, that is not conviction, that is condemnation, and that deserves to be rebuked in the name of Jesus. So we rebuke condemnation, and we invite conviction in 2019. Amen? So let us have that zeal for sound theology, that we would desire it, that we would desire real revelation of Scripture, a desire to actually read Scripture for ourselves, that it would be the light unto our path, the, you know, a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, as it says in Psalms. What we also see in this church is a perseverance in prayer, perseverance in prayer. It says they devoted themselves to the apostle teachings and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Prayer is a pillar in our life, in our walk with Jesus. And it needs to be a pillar in our experience as a church. Again, don't allow yourself to be condemned because you know you could have done better in prayer in 2018. And so could I and all of us. But allow that to quicken your feet towards a better prayer life in 2019. And one of the things we want to do as a church in January is find opportunities to pray together. I do understand, okay, that, you know, our prayer life as a church, again, collectively everything that happens is a result of what happens individually. But oftentimes what we do together collectively can spur you to do something better individually too. You understand what I mean? It's like, it's not just because you're not praying at home that you can't pray here at church with everyone. It's not because you're not worshiping at home every day that you can't lift your hands and worship when we're worshiping collectively. One will feed the other and will improve the other. And so we want to create opportunities to pray together. And very simply, we would like to pray together after English service. You know, we want to make January a prayer month. We would like to do that. Find ways to pray together. And quite simply, we'll start next week. Instead of having a breakout session, we invite people to also invite others to stay after service. We'll go upstairs and have a moment of intercession and prayer. And we've had a lot of awesome prayer sessions together as a church. So I invite you to continue in that, in that fire of prayer for us to cultivate that in 2019 and set the tone for the rest of the year. Amen? Awesome. 
We see this all throughout Acts, not just in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 1, they joined constantly together in prayer, along with them, the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and all of his brothers. This was in preparation for Acts chapter 2, the coming of the Holy Spirit. They were all gathered together, right? Acts chapter 3, we see the leaders of the church praying every day at 3 o'clock, as it was a custom of the Jews to do. They continue to do that in their Christian faith. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. They were going to pray. Acts chapter 4, even through persecution, the, the prayer does not cease. And actually, in the midst of persecution and trying circumstances, when you and I oftentimes want to give up on prayer, what we see here in Revelation, in this revealed truth, and I pray that there would be this bridging of experience and revelation in our lives is that we see an intensifying of prayer. As persecution went on, what we see is this intensification of prayer, and we see manifestations of the power of God, and even the place where they prayed shook with the presence of God. This is not a spiritual or figurative shaking. This is a a physical shaking of the place where they were together in prayer. We see this too when Peter is in prison. There's this constant prayer. The church gets together in favor of of Peter, and he's eventually miraculously delivered from that prison. We see Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. They're in prison, literally in prison, in chains, church. When Paul says that he's been able to do all things through Christ who gives him strength, he's talking about like literally all things. This level of contentment that I aspire to in chains and singing worship to the Lord. How many of you want that kind of anointing in 2019? And I wish I could give it to you by just praying over you. But there are certain things that we don't get from the Lord without pressing through the fire, without experience and intentionality for ourselves. It's part of our discipleship. Not every gift can be given by just a simple prayer. Don't put your hope on outsourcing your spirituality to no one else other than yourself. You can't outsource spirituality. You can't live on the spirituality of others alone. They will help you, but you need to say, you know what? It's my spiritual, it's my walk with Jesus, and so therefore I will take responsibility for it. I'll take responsibility for it. And one of the tools that we're, we've been developing, it's been a slow but very rewarding process so far, a growth process for every single person involved in this, starting with our family and our home and our experience, Steph and I walking together, has been this emotionally healthy spirituality discipleship track. It's a tool, again, a tool for us to walk together in this, in this discipleship walk. And so we ask for you to sign up, that we would start the year united in this, that you would rearrange things if, 
if necessary, for Tuesday nights for you to be able to be here. I understand the difficulty. I do. I don't want anybody to go beyond their boundaries and limits. I've learned that as well. But certain things need to be prioritized. I, too, will have class on Monday night and Thursday night in an online class. It's going to be a difficult semester for me to actually put to practice, continue putting to practice everything that I've learned. But I will prioritize being here Tuesday night. I will prioritize walking closely with people in their discipleship walk. And it will be transformative if you choose to be a part of it. We need you to sign up by next week. In order for there to be enough time, everybody still with me? In order for there to be enough time for the materials to arrive, we need everybody signed up for this by the first week. We already have a handful of people signed up, and we praise God for that. We thank you for signing up early, and we're just waiting on at least 10, 15 people more, and I'm praying and believing, having faith, which is a little less confident than Hebrews 11, a little less confident, but I'm believing, I'm exercising my faith to have at least 30 people signed up for this class, which would be amazing for us to walk this together. Amen. I know if we got one strong amen from a table leader who's been training for nine weeks on this and has one class to make up, and he's going to be making it up next week, which is awesome. And we have other table leaders who've been involved in this, like Chris and Pastor David, who's also going to be a, a table leader in the, in, in the EHS discipleship track. Others in here? No. Oh, Camilla, who's in the back with the baby, who's also a table leader. This is for us to walk together. Amen, church? So let's continue. We see signs and wonders being performed. because, And there should be no element of surprise where the presence of Jesus is worshipped, where it is hosted, where, where it's carried forth. There is manifestations of signs and wonders. How has your experience in terms of signs and wonders and the tangible manifestation of God been in 2018? We want to see, not focus on signs and wonders. They are a sign and a wonder because they point to what is more important. They're a sign of Jesus. They're a sign of his presence. And they bring us an element of wonder and awe. This is what we see in this church. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Oftentimes, too, the Lord will stir us to move in faith and to pray for the sick. But because our faith is compromised and it doesn't have an element of confidence, doesn't have an element of assurance, we don't step forward to pray. And instead, we miss the opportunity to see the manifestation of the presence of God. Would 2018 be more bold in its faith? Amen? Awesome. There was extraordinary intervention of God in the presence of God. They were all filled with awe, and many signs and wonders, as I've already said, were performed. What I also see oftentimes in the church are two extremes. Right, And I pray that we don't fall into these extremes. We believe in the manifestation of the presence of God through signs and wonders, but we will not fall in the trap of denying the miracles that they can happen, or the other extreme is making up miracles. (laughs) Sometimes there's so much ambition 
in wanting to see, you know, miracles happen, that some Christians will stretch the truth. Are you sure all of that happened, brother? Your testimony, I mean, I want, you're, you're challenging me here. But I just want to understand, is this truth? And only you will know, okay? And as a church, I want us to experience as a community of faith the true signs and wonders of the Lord, and not something that's an exaggeration of truth. Amen? (laughs) I don't want half-truths. I want full truths. I want to see people actually coming into contact with the power of God and it being undeniable. Another element we see in this church, and I pray that we would grow in this in 2019, is this sense of enthusiasm a commitment to a joyful commitment to coming together as a church. You know, as we're growing, one of the things that I've realized in 2018 in myself and in others is many of us, because we're growing in our emotional, spiritual health, I don't know if you can relate to this, but what I've observed in some and in a certain element of my own life is I'm learning to say no to certain things. Isn't it freeing knowing that you can say no? But you know how kids go through that phase, the no phase? They've always said yes to candy, but in this phase, they will say no to even candy just because they've learned that they can say no to anything. I mean, you understand what I'm saying. So, no, no, no. Many of us go through that. We've learned as adults, but emotional infants, as, you know, I am as well, and I'm learning to grow in in my emotional spirituality, that we can say no when we go through a phase of just saying no to everything. Which is fine for some time. But then we will grow to be able to say yes to the things that God is calling us to. And I pray for a sensitivity of the Spirit, that you would be able to really discern from the Lord what is it that he's calling you to in 2019, and that you would quickly say yes to those things. That you would quickly say yes to those things. And that you would be enthusiastic about saying yes to the Lord. Because there's so much excitement that is to be experienced when we say yes to God. Even simple things become exciting. Even the ordinary becomes supernatural. Even the simple becomes something that is a learning opportunity for us to experience. So that's what I pray for as well. This excitement, we see this. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. Every day. I'm sure there were, it wasn't all just utopia where there are people, there are problems. But it seems like the presence of God, the awe and the wonder of the signs, you know, that were being performed, the the word, the revelation of the word, this anticipation of God's manifest presence seems to overshadow the problems. The problems do manifest and we go on and acts. You know, we see issues coming up even between Paul, right, and Barnabas. We do see issues happening. We see issues within the church. But we 
don't see the end of the church because of the issues. We see a triumphant, joyful church that understands the gates of hell would not prevail against it. A church that understands that it's on the offense and not on the defense. How many of you remember that word? Where we are not just defensive. We're not just defending ourselves from hell. Jesus actually said that the gates of hell, the gates, what are gates? They are a mechanism of defense. It's hell that's trying to defend itself against the church. It's the gates of hell that will not be prevailed because we're, e- we're on the offense. We're gaining ground. We're gaining territory. Where the church is, we're not just stuck in our little walls and like, oh, I hope, hope the devil doesn't come here. You do your little cross and you do this and you sprinkle oil. And you get involved in these things. And what God is saying is position yourself. Church, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. It is a triumphant church. And so in this neighborhood, we are gaining territory. We're not worried that there are things happening or this or that. We know who we serve. And he sits on a throne. And he is the king of kings and lord of lords. We see a church here that that had a joy that surpassed circumstances, right? Every day they gathered together in the temple courts. They also broke bread in the homes. They participated together in meals. And what we see here is the word with joy and sincere hearts. Joy and sincere hearts. Joy and sincere hearts. Joy and sincere hearts. It wasn't a fake joy. It wasn't a mask that was worn. It was a sincerity of heart. It was a joy that did not depend on things being okay. It was a joy that was beyond those things because it was supernatural. I pray for that manifestation in our lives, that we would grow in that. I thank God for all the moments that we've been able to grow in 2018 in joy. The moments we've been able to celebrate together. And know that even in the midst of difficulty, we've been able to stay together. I know that there have been many families that have been attacked. I know many issues have happened in our homes. I know that there have been problems in your life. I know that things have not been easy. I know that you don't have an overwhelming amount of money in the bank. that You're just chilling. I know that things are difficult sometimes. But I also know that you have the gift of the Spirit in you. I also know that joy is a manifestation of the Spirit of God that does not depend on those outward things. I know that the reality of the kingdom that we serve is something really supernatural, where we prioritize the treasures of this earth and gold and silver. God has placed those things underneath the feet of those who are in heaven. Where you see that the streets of heaven are made of gold, that's because God is literally walking on something that you prioritize in your life so much and you elevate it above above all things. And in heaven, people are walking on it. You understand what it means to serve the risen King Jesus. You understand the truth 
that there is in the gospel. Do you understand the wealth of life and joy that we have because of Jesus? What I also see is a church that values fellowship. They had pleasure in being together. They had pleasure. They devoted themselves to one another. They were sensitive in helping out those in need within the community. If you see someone in need within our community, if you are someone in need in our community, don't be silent about it. This church has helped many people within its... And I'm I'm not even saying it doesn't always come from just leaders, like grassroots, like member to member, like I've heard somebody's in need and, and I'm going to take ownership of this responsibility. I'm going to go to other people of the church and try to get some money to satisfy this need of this person. We've seen this happening time and time again. And it's a generous church and we are privileged to be a part of each other's lives because I know That if I go in need of something, there are people who love me here in this church that will be able to satisfy that need. And I want to tell you that that's in your life too. That that, that, that is a reality in your life. Listen, everything in our lives fight, like it's at war with true fellowship. Trying to schedule a dinner with someone is so hard that I, I quiver sometimes at just trying. How many of you can relate? <laughs> it's just hard. But can we just accept that it's not because people don't want to be with you, okay? And we always want to be invited to things, <laughs> We sometimes joke around, it's like, we're, you know, like, I want to be invited. Not that I can make it. I just want to be invited. How many of you feel the same way? I just want to be invited to stuff. I want, to, I want the privilege of saying no. And we have our conceptions of other people's lives and maybe how busy they are. And we think, oh, they're not going to come anyway, so I'm not even going to invite them or this or that. If we just understand a little bit better, that it's not because people don't want to be with you. It's that there's just so much going in their world as well. And people are in their own growth process too. And there are even competing cultural norms here at the church. Those who are, you know, just fresh from Brazil. We need to learn something about Brazilianness. One of the things that I, that I um, hold in my heart from attending the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Summit last year. It was just me and Steph. We, you know, grew up, we were born in Brazil, but grew up mostly here. There was a table of Brazilians behind us. One of the things that Jerry and Peter said to me, I don't remember if Steph was next to me, but he said, don't lose your Brazilianness." And there's a reason why this church was started as a Brazilian church, okay? And most of the people that I'm speaking to, all of you, have a 
except for Ron, who's a Caribbean brother. But there's something about South American, Caribbean warmth and collectiveness and that we can't lose, okay? White Americans will be the first to say themselves, we are cold. <laughs> and it's, they'll be the first, they, they were telling me that. And there are certain things I like to learn from other cultures, but if there's something I want to praise about my culture and my origin is that we're nice people. And I don't want to lose that. I don't think it's growing in health if I want to be further and further away from people. <laughs> it means limits. We grow in limits and boundaries. We learn that not every, every single second is okay for you to knock on somebody's door. We learn certain things. But we want to be together. We want to create opportunities to be, the, be together. And we want to maintain an openness so that our circles aren't so rigid and just amongst us. I praise God for the moments where I was able to be, for example, at Fabi's house with other people that are new to our church. Yeah, there were one or two moments, but I'm going to celebrate the fact that those moments happened. And in 2019, I will look for other moments like those and I'll continue to grow little by little. How many of you understand what I'm saying? We seem to want everything resolved so quickly. We understand a problem. And, and, okay, so that means every single week we need to be together. And then we get sick of each other. But create opportunities. Create, continue growing in your boundaries. Continue growing, but don't give up on meeting together. The author of Hebrews also says, don't give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Continue coming together as a church, as believers, encouraging one another, creating opportunities to be together. And that together we would impact our society in even more tangible ways in 2019. Others will come to know that we are disciples of Christ. You know how? Based on our love for one another. I don't want that to be lost ever amongst us. That there would be real love amongst us. That we would be a church that experiences upward growth, inward growth, and outward growth. Repeat after me. I want to be a church that experiences upper growth, inward growth, and outward growth. Lord, help us to walk in that direction in 2019. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to call up the band. Let's sing the song that says, you deserve the praise. Holy is your name. Regardless of how you're feeling, of anything that's happened before you came into these, 
into these doors, into this space. I want you to focus your eyes on Jesus right now. Worthy is his name. He deserves the praise. Regardless of how we're feeling, he deserves the praise. He deserves the praise.